0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of All Fighters Follow Me. I'm Moff Ted,
1: And I'm Senator Faith.
0: So we've, what, last weekend finished up our uh, Rebellion in the Rim campaign?
1: Yep. We didn't play through all of the acts. We pretty much just did one act. We up did to a, the
0: pivotal battle. Up to
1: the pivotal battle. But it was still a pretty fun experience. The pivotal battle was particularly interesting. In the end... Ted's side did win, but getting to play with both fleets together, and also with a list that was more than the standard 400 points, ended up with some really interesting gameplay. Yeah,
0: I found the, the pivotal battle was interesting. Um, one, because of how many squadrons it can, can take.
1: Oh yeah, that was... The first, very first apparent thing with both of our lists was the sheer number of squadrons. Yeah, I
0: had, I think I had thirteen squadrons, and you had fourteen or fifteen or something like that at that point. Yeah, um, and yeah. you used you used allies to take some extra squads too.
1: Yes, so I ended up with about four, oh, no, seventeen squads.
0: Did you? Because how many did you have base?
1: Um, base, I have 14, but with allies, I added two...
0: Yeah, two VCXs
1: and, I think, a 1300? Yeah, and then a YT-1300. I wanted the YT for uh, its escort
0: ability. That flew with your headhunters, so it was giving them a little protection.
1: And then I wanted the VCXs for their relay ability. In case my squadrons got too far away from my squadron pusher ships.
0: Yeah. Um, and then my ally, I just took a. The biggest combat ship that Rebels can take. or that, Sorry, no, that Imperials can take for um, an ally, which is a Raider 1, the only non flotilla ship that Imperials can actually bring <laughs> for their ally token. Which I think is a little biased, but. You know.
1: It was good, though, because it did give you.
0: It gave me an extra activation. Extra activation. Which is helpful. But I was going to say, up until that point, we played a couple games since our last um, last match, where I think when we left off, we were even for points. The following round went really well for the Imperials, so we were we we're at three campaign points each, um, and then I jumped ahead to five campaign points and launched the Pivotal Battle that we did at, by taking Mandalore, so I was, I actually was super excited about that one, because we took, we had, um, I took one fleet, and my defense was at Endor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I believe was, what, yep, yep. so you attacked Endor, and I defended with my, um, bomber wing, and since the last, last time I've added I added repair expert to my fleet. Oh no, I did that after the uh, pivotal battle, I think. Oh no, I did it, but then it didn't end up mattering because we in the campaign. But I took uh, fighter group leader, which squadrons activated by a ship may reroll one die while attacking, and that so it's it's like torn Far and bomber command center rolled into one. Yeah, it was absolutely really bananas. Um, especially considering I have how many squadrons in that? One? I have eight squads in that fleet, so it was, abs- it was just just a ton of re-roll potential. I got a lot of damage out of that. Especially with TIE Bombers, you know, you roll that black die. Um, and your Y-Wings as well, you, 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 you got a 6 and 8 chance to get a hit or a double. So with the reroll that actually puts you up to... I think it's like 93% chance for a damage on a bomber with a re-roll, with a single black dice. Which is gross. Which is a lot. And then my other fleet, I just... Jumped from Master Navigator One with my ISD and my Raider. I jumped from Master Navigator One to Mas- Na- Master Navigator Two. What did you add in?
1: So for that fight, I was using my Starhawk fleet, and I had added the commander ability Ion Technician, which I I really like. Um, that one allows you to swap one. Or anyone die with a blue die, yeah, exactly. and since I had uh, leading shots, that was really good for me to be able to get re-rolls on my long-range shots.
0: Yeah, being able to swap since you have the f- you have four dice out of your front, mm-hmm. four reds. So that means at long you got four reds, and you could swap it to three reds and the blue, um, and three reds with re-roll is, or you know just a blue dice being highly, mm-hmm. highly accurate, just to, like an extra hit or an accuracy. Um, I think usually your re-roll accuracy is so at long range they aren't as...
1: Yeah, they aren't as powerful. Um especially con- uh, depending on which fleet you were running.
0: Yeah.
1: Um as far as upgrades, I added to the Starhawk x racks for oh, yeah. for when we got in close and veteran gunners just for another re-roll. Another oh yeah, you're Hail really, really doubling
0: down on the re-rolls. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I added reserve hangar decks to that ship since that one, for its squadron... Oh yeah, that's the other
0: Z95s you I have the profession. Z95s with Swarm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I also was able to add Jan Ores to that fleet, which was great because it allowed my Z95s in A-wings, which are essentially made of paper, to have a little bit more life on the table.
0: Yeah, no, that having being able to sh- share that brace is, is a big help. Unfortunately, since you didn't have any escorts, I was usually able, in, in our games against it, I was able to say, "Oh, hey, look, there's Jan. Um, <laughs> let's let's kill her really fast." Uh, let's see. I added for my list um, since that was my my bomber list. I had added a jump master so I could get intel. In a TIE advance, just to keep the jump master or Major Rhymer safe a little bit. Uh, and then... I think... Oh, yeah, and then I put... I was able to, um, after another battle, I put Flight Controllers on my Quasar Fire, uh, which made it so my couple TIE Fighters and Boba, when they did attack, um, they got even more dice. And then they got the reroll. So I was adding a dice when attacking squadrons, plus they got an extra reroll... Extra re-roll. So for the, the TIE Fighters, I could have two re-rolls, plus four dice, um, which gets really reliable. I don't think I used that that much, but it, it was it is a pretty high-threat build. Um, yeah, and that, one, that was the one on Ambush. We played... Uh, you played my fighter Ambush. Mm-hmm. And then I think that one just came down to us blowing each other's fighters up.
1: Yeah, I think you also... Um,
0: oh, I got some points off of you from... I think was it from bombing with on the Starhawk? I think
1: I believe so. Bombing on the Starhawk, and I think you also took out the GR-75.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, it was like we we took some squadron losses. I got a couple hits in on the hull on the Starhawk, and then I generally had my quasar, my Architans, fly as far out of sight of your range as possible, which with a speed two ship is doable. Um, in slightly more maneuverable speed three ships. And then... Run away! Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was that was unfortunately the plan, as, le- as low as I am to play the kiting game. I like to really just get in there and start swinging, but um, I did not have a fleet built for that, and you'll know that that's usually not a fleet you see from me, which is why I was trying it in Rebellion in the Rim. Um, other match, I declared an assault on Mandalore with my... Um, ISD Raider fleet, and we chose the Recruit Allies objective. Mm -hmm. And so our allies for Recruit Allies were two Gauntlet Starfighters.
1: Which Ted got. which
0: Which I got, and then used to win the game, and then used the reward at Mandalore to get myself Gar Saxon for my fleet. So I went and I liberated Mandalore from the rebel threat, and in return they have... I gained the trust of their, um, oh, what is is he in the, I forget his position, now that's gonna bug me, but, um, yeah, I got the Mandalorian Super Commando leader, Gar Saxon, uh, and then I did add Zerdic Strom to that fleet as well, just to have, since I had three TIE Fighters and Saber originally, I dropped a TIE Fighter for Gar, um, and added, I think that was about it, I didn't actually add any anything new to that fleet. It had expert shield techs and veteran captain. And proxy mines. That was it. I added proxy mines. I think we talked about that last time, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think
1: so. Um, well, with one of my previous victories with this fleet, my mc 30 and Nebby fleet, I was able to add Hera.
0: Oh, yeah. Hera super was really nice. good for that build.
1: Um, very good for that build. Most of the time, the two X-wings hung out with her so that they could get rogue and go bother people.
0: Yeah, so your Y-wings would be open to...
1: To go do what they want. Go do what mm-hmm. they do best. We just clink ships to death. Um, as far as upgrades go, I added the commander ability of master coordinator to gain squad token and, you know, the extra squad...
0: Yep, when you when spend you the token.
1: Um, I also added for the Pivotal Battle, Rockhopper, where once per turn you can ignore the effects of overlapping an obstacle on your capital ship. Wait,
0: is that per turn or per game? Maybe it's below. per
1: game.
0: Yeah, either way. Um, Rockhopper is definitely one I looked at. There's There are effects in the game, like there's Jaina's Light, um, which lets you land on obstacles without taking damage. Mm-hmm. And there's Chart Officer, which is a officer slot, equal in points, I believe, to Jaina's Light, if not more expensive, I figure if it's two or three, that you have to discard to land on a rock once per round, and then doesn't even have the ignores obstruction. So it's like, worse Jaina's Light for more points once per game. I have feelings (laughs) on that one. Um,
1: As far as other upgrades go, I did add TRCs and X racks to the MC30. Yep,
0: through a couple rounds.
1: Um, add a little defense to the frigate with Lando and TRCs just to get those mm-hmm. those extra hits.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, TRC, X rack, Ordnance Experts, Lando is a. That thing was really punchy.
1: Yeah, it's fun to play.
0: So, though, with all the upgrades, we really didn't get to use the bulk of that until the pivotal battle which took place on mustafar of all places even though it's vader important location yeah even though vader wasn't present but uh we were
1: was watching we had to
0: we had to make sure that the imperials were were happily set but i did a show of force um which is an attack assault style pivotal battle um, then, like we mentioned, we did, We each to- chose allies. Faith adding more squadrons. I added a fifth ship to kind of throw the activations out a little bit.
1: It was also the first time that I had used the Spinet token.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: which is a fun token if you kind of assign one of those tokens to one of your fleets at the kind of beginning of the round. They're allowed to, uh, at the end of deployment take one of their ships and redeploy them.
0: Yeah. Which I mean is very much like Corvus. This is this is a super strong ability um especially when there are only a couple ships on the table. Yeah, I I remember but really like the first thing that struck me once we got that deployment done is there were so many squadrons on the board. I don't oh so
1: many. I think
0: I might have broke standard squadron cap I'm positive you did. Oh,
1: I definitely did.
0: See, cuz my fleets I had 66 total squads in one fleet. Oh yeah, so I had 166 points worth of squad, so that's about 30 over standard, and what did you have? 55. So you actually had, you base um, had a normal number, um, because you had 55 and 66. Oh, you didn't add Hera in this one.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to add Hera um, to that number.
0: So what was your real free point total then?
1: It's definitely over standard because she's 28 points.
0: Yeah. Um, plus, you added the two VCXs and the YT2400. Um, so I had
1: the uber squadron pool.
0: Yeah, it makes me really glad that our, that that many squadrons isn't allowed in a standard game. It, the squadron activations took a, a decent while. Um,
1: and I'll have to say, while having that great a number of squadrons, I mean, it's kind of a fun show of force. But I feel like I've mismanaged them a bit, yeah, having so many squadrons, it can be difficult making sure they're all where they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, well, neither of us is really a, a major squadron player. We usually only fly like four to six squads in
1: the fleet.: I try to keep it balanced yeah
0: um, I do t- and i I've flown I've flown a 16 squadron fleet before, but it was more of a like giant swarm of ties and bombers gimmick fleet. Um oh, demonstration of force is the name of it. So what happens in that one is oh yeah, you got an armed station and then for each That was fun. Yeah, I, I got shot by that a lot. Um okay. for each time a ship or a station is destroyed if it was destroyed by a squadron attack, the owner of the attacking um mini the attacking squadron gains a victory token worth 10 points. And then it was an independent station, then at, at the command phase of each round it attacked with... It basically has like a PELTA armament, it has two red, two blue against ships, <laughs> and then what was it, two blue against squads, or something like that, one blue against squads. Um, so it was... My my Architens didn't quite deploy in range of the station. Oh no, it did.
1: It did. It did, yeah. yeah so my Architens got
0: shot before I, like, like right after command dials got set, before i even activated anything. Um, which we'll talk about things getting shot before they get to activate a little bit with uh, monitors and things later. But So yeah, that was cool. I did, but I mean, at the same token, though, I did also deploy the Architends with a double arc on the station and started shooting it really early. Um, so I kind of went in with this plan that I was going to blow up the station. I got my bomber ball on one side and I had my rogues on the other. And I kind of squad my fighters kind of in the middle for my quasar to push around. I dropped my quasar to speed zero, just kind of in the middle of my fleet. It was guarded by a raider and an Architens on one side, and a raider and the ISD on the other, where your Starhawk dropped, um, and it, or at least originally. And then I didn't realize. Then I, you know, was like, I'm going to drop to zero and watch this MC thirty come around the me- the map, which uh, had consequences we'll discuss in a little bit. But I found the I think one of the things that struck me was. With all the big fleets, the pivotal battle felt like just sort of a, a, goofy game of Armada with extra squads. Yeah. And I think with, without the multiplayer element, that especially for Rebellion in the Rim, wasn't, wasn't kind of there. I think that's. Um, next time I do Rebellion in the Rim, I definitely want to do it again. I think I want to do it with like a full four or six people. Mm-hmm. Um, just to get that, because I mean, playing against each other for two games around like especially when we replay we each other demi often and, and are pretty used to each other's play styles and tactics a little bit so it gets a little like it gets a little samey after a while when it's like oh we're going to run, run these same two fleets against each other
1: yeah um, that
0: was, what, that was 10 kind games. of a struggle
1: mm-hmm. what i really regret with my squadrons was I had taken, I kept the Z ninety five and the A wings together, and then put that YT thirteen hundred with them as an escort. Mm-hmm. But the YT, despite the Millennium Falcon being the fastest ship in the universe, is actually super slow in Armada. It only has speed two.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a freighter, and in fairness, the Millennium Falcon has the fastest hyperdrive, not the fastest yeah, sublight engines. True. Which makes a big difference. Um...
1: And it. I wanted it to, to serve as a soak mm-hmm. for the A Wings and the Z 95s, and they ended up in deployment very far away from your squadron, so they weren't able to get up there and be annoying.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, your, your A Wings engaged Boba Fett like round one.
1: They did. They kept Boba Fett away from everybody else, but your main bomber wing—they weren't really able to touch. Yeah. They had, your bomber wing ended up clashing with mine, and while I love the combination of Hera and Jan, it just wasn't enough.
0: I was able to get a. I think I was able to get a solid X, Alpha, didn't I? I killed an X one with my first Quasar squad squad run. Yeah. Um, so you had one X-Wing down, and then I killed the other one in short order, and then took out Jan. Hera was running around just uppercutting things. The whole game. She's such a good ship. I love her. Yeah, Hera's really good. Uh, Very, very strong. And, um, both, like, just her ability and her actual, hull eight, two blue, two black anti-squad, one blue, one black anti-ship rogue. I mean, speed three is average for Rebels, so that's not really a... A pro or but she
1: generally can keep up
0: yeah. with the rest of the squads. Um, but, but then, uh, so we had, so we fought it out. Like my Architons. that was it. You so going back to that quasar though. Is that I I'd, I'd positioned in a way that I had one raider that I was going to try to protect. Uh, my quasar, my Architons, from getting flanked by. Your MC thirty. And I forget what happened with that. I think the Raider and MC thirty just kind of your MC thirty was at speed four the whole game, and just kind of shot past me. I think.
1: Now it started at speed four and then moved to speed three, but you put your Quasar down to speed zero. Oh,
0: so that, it that just was hung it. Out You also hit a you hit a mine early. Also, you landed on one of my uh, proximity mines, so you're down to half hull. I like proximity mines quite a lot. I don't. <laughs> Um, I
1: tried so hard to avoid it, I thought I was being very clever, but then it landed just in range, mm-hmm. and womp
0: womp. Yep. the distance one can be, I mean, between, be- from a ship to a squadron to a token, an uh, objective token can always be a little deceiving. Um, but yeah, your Quasar, or your MC-30, snuck around... And we got into a position where I had your Starhawk and a double arc with my ISD. But you had my Quasar, which was speed 0, and a double Hawk of your MC-30. And as first player, I was like, you know what, I really gotta try to kill that Starhawk just this once. Since the rest of the campaign it was essentially unkillable, and unlike the Superstar Destroyer, you don't get half for half health. So I took my double arc, did like okay damage oh yeah and then tucked around and wasn't able to repeat my performance on that so your mc30
1: managed to do an akbar slash
0: well not just an akbar slash you one shot two ships in one activation
1: which i did not see coming
0: no, I didn't either. I was like, the quasar, I'll die. And I hadn't realized that my Architent was also in close range of your MC-30.
1: And had been hurt before. Mm. It had some damage on it but it was on shields.
0: But it was on shields that you were shooting at. You were shooting my rear, and I had a full side. It was just the front and the side that had been damaged. You you just hard-rolled the nine damage you needed to kill it out, right? It was beautiful. Yes, it is a, a thing that happened. Um, in fairness, though, you also did just... Like, pop the quasar, since I didn't have any defense tokens. Because I forgot to spend a nav token the previous round and speed up. Oh.
1: But, in the end, you did kill the Starhawk.
0: It took, what, two double arcs with my ISD and three rounds of bombing? I think something like that?
1: Nothing like that. But eventually, she did...
0: Just a hideous amount of damage. Finally. And and that's even without Agate. Yeah, you, you like I was able to a- drop accuracies and stuff on your brace, and you're still just like I'm just gonna tank through everything. Um, and that's and that's going forward in the in the future. Like I said, I want to play Rebellion in the room again. I might like make a caveat that certain ships are just like please don't play these, and Starhawk is definitely on that list just because of how it it skews the way you have to play against it so hard in that game. That it's like, you have to basically, on a 3x3 map, not fight this. And, like, yes, you can play for the objectives and be smart about it, but it was exhausting having every game against it having to be like, well, I have to run away from that thing, because if I try to fight it, I'm going to lose. Yeah, so something to go into um, Rebellion in the Rim is knowing, like, are we playing this... a really competitive mindset or are we playing it as a more of a kind of for fun mindset um and i think going both of us going into that with different mindsets of what we were expecting from the experience was i think something that made it a little through the end less ignorable so but yeah so definitely um definitely would recommend rebellion in the rim the new objectives the fleet styles the Custom commanders are all super cool. But being able to mix it up with different people is, I think, also important.
1: We had some learning experiences for the first time around, and the next time we play it...
0: A little more familiar. Be a little bit we'll more be, familiar. I think it we'll would be helpful. In I did
1: constantly have to keep referring back to the rules, the oh. campaign rules, especially with all the little tokens and...
0: Yeah, I mean, I use... I'm used to not having to go and like check up on interactions as much anymore um, just because I spend too much time reading stuff on the internet about the game and checking up on that, but I have no familiarity, to, familiarity with a lot of the mechanics in Rebellion in the Rim still, so there was a lot of instances where we like staring at each other like, oh, we need to check the book on this because neither of us understands this interaction or what this token does.
1: There's definitely a learning curve
0: uh-huh. there, um, which is which is nice. Like it's it adds new things to the game, um, and generally I found, like I said, like the ally tokens were really cool. The diplomat tokens we were kind of interesting. I didn't I use them every round pretty much, but then they, like, I don't know how much that affected your decision making. And like, oh, I guess I don't attack there. I um, think it
1: probably would have had a lot more effects later on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as favorite things from Rebellion in the Rim, I really loved the whole building your fleet as you go process. Yeah. And I think that was a lot of fun.
0: And I like how the mechanic for that works. I like how it's not um, like we didn't really play a lot of um, or we didn't play a crying conflict through, but like having that mechanic of oh one point side gets point both sides gets points, but one of them has to spend all of their points fixing their ships, where this had a separate mechanic to unscar your stuff. And also, if a starship was destroyed in a game, it wasn't removed from the campaign, mm-hmm. which is as an, an effect in K- conflict, but a rebellion in the Rim. You know, I wouldn't have had Tie Fighters after the third game or after the second game because they would be like, "Oh, all your Tie Fighters are scarred, and you no longer have Tie Fighters."
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but also with at the end of each battle, you only had certain kinds of upgrades. Um, that and you that could you can purchase. Add
0: depending on where you fought and what your and bases having, were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That I thought was really cool, because then it made you have to think strategically about where you were attacking. So mm-hmm. what kind of things do you want to add?
0: Yeah. And there were a couple times where I was, I was like, I'm going to declare an attack here, because it has ion cannons. And then look over and realize, oh, one of my bases has ion cannons, and I've just never bothered to take ion cannon upgrades when I've <laughs> after a game... <laughs> Which is why my star destroyer never actually ended up getting like leading shots on it, um, or, or like the squadrons one we both used a lot. I think squadrons were maybe the second most. I, uh, squadrons were definitely the most added thing after, like alongside officers. Cause all of our mm-hmm. fleets I think had, ended up with everyone with full officers, maybe or something like that. I think so. Yeah, I know both of my fleets had full officers, and then you had maybe like your. No, your Nebbi had an officer. I had an officer. Um, oh, your GR seventy five never got an officer, what? but it was just sitting. There. It was, you, you, Your job is to comms net. What if I wanted to? No, you you comms net. You
1: comms net. hmm
0: Um. You pass tokens. You pass tokens. <laughs> you pass tokens. Um. Maybe you shoot squadrons. Yeah, flak is always or anti-squad attacks are always helpful, but yeah. Then we have um. We have a little bit more experience now with the Onager and the Starhawk.
1: Oh yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit more about what we found with those. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going back to Rebellion in the Rim, one thing that I was worried about going into it is that since I wasn't able to have the same upgrades on the Starhawk that you did with, or that you do in a in a standard game, that it, it wouldn't have the same amount of survivability. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out it's surprisingly tanky.
0: Yeah, I mean, your, your your opponent has half as much fleet to try to kill it with as they normally would.
1: That's true, but I was a, a little concerned that by uh, not having Agate, mm-hmm. that the ship would suffer. It,
0: yeah, I think outside of Rebellion in the Rim, I would say that's definitely true. I've only seen one uh, Starhawk build that doesn't have Agate that was really like, oh, that's kind of terrifying. And that was, Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen this, I've seen some interesting like Mon Mothma ones Mm -hmm. where you take, was it Amity? Yeah, Amity Mon Mothma. It was definitely designed. you can tell, with having Agate on it if you really wanted to just go in and start going super punch mode.
1: Also had to do a little bit more learn, or uh, getting a little bit more used to flying a ship with a strong front arc. Oh yeah. Eventually I was able to get a little bit more of the hang of that. I'm primarily a rebels player. Mm-hmm. I love Akbar. Akbar is my favorite commander, so I primarily do side arc shots
0: and mm-hmm. try to line
1: those up. So having to rethink how I fly my fleets.
0: I'd be interested to see I haven't seen that's another one is. I haven't seen an Akbar um, Starhawk yet, and I think that would be a uh, interesting build.
1: That would be a gross double arc to get in. You can't. Oh, that's right.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, if you were able to somehow, like, you could double arc in a Superstar Destroyer, or I think you could maybe double arc like an ISD or a, an MC eighty if you got right tucked up on into it. Like, the shield dials should be touching, but for some reason they didn't, so we didn't overlap, and you get to stay here it might have the ability to get both side arcs in, um, which would be a lot of damage. But, I mean, if you're getting a double arc on a Starhawk, and you get front and side as, just it's as well. Fun. And you mm-hmm. have the option, right? So that, that makes it so no matter where they go, if they're just in one arc... Mm-hmm. And I think it can take gunnery teams too. So you could have a gunnery team's nasty front arc or nasty side arc with Akbar. That might be a a, a, curious, a cool. Uh,
1: that would be a fun build to try.
0: A good build to try.
1: But you've been playing a few vassal games and have been experimenting a little bit more with the Onager.
0: Yeah, I've seen. I've played into some Onager fleets. Um, Like, I think I mentioned this last time, but uh, Derek from uh, Star Wars Armada Explained, who also goes by Karnaki, he. he very gently brought me into the vassal universe with his um super composite beam turbo laser so that's the also called Mm -hmm. blue beam. um sloan aces list so it's an onager with sloan aces on a quasar and squall um so i very gently got tabled on my on like round four or something like that in my first game of vassal uh and i'd always been more of a proponent of red beam and was very much like oh i like the extra range i have played a couple games i made a, a new list with an interdictor it was it's basically my like kuat interdictor build but i swapped the kuat out for a onager star destroyer with the blue beam the composite beam turbolasers instead of the particle cannons and i quite like that if i can get the heavy ion emplacements off on my interdictor and let it tank where the onager sits back and just plugs damage in um it it kills stuff pretty pretty heavily and the extra the star destroyer variant of the onager actually is a better overall combat ship it's not as good as at just being a floating gun but its side arcs are stronger and i think it's a more r- well-rounded ship um so I, i'm going to be toying around with that a little more uh, maybe see if i can't come up with some more interesting builds there what I want to know is,
1: have we, or have you yet seen an Onager go above speed 1?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> see, that's one thing that is actually tricky, is the Onager can get up to speed 3. And the testbed version can take engine techs. So if you really, you know, if you have a token banked, and then you could s- slap in a... Um, nav dial at some point you can go from speed one to speed three and then engine techs when something is trying to hunt you down and just be gone so i know i believe the chicago guys had some experience with like ozl engine tech onagers where you have it you stay at speed zero and you token up and you can like with a token and a dial, you can jump to speed three with engine text from speed zero and just so, Yep, you can noom. Which considering it's a giant space gun, it seems a little odd that it can jump up to speed three. You know, you think the one weakness yeah, should drop. be that you can sneak... yeah, it's gotta I gotta get to that place to shoot that thing from very far away. That said, like its front arc is scary and the rest of it is not as much. Yeah. So I would say that's about it. But yeah, definitely um, some more testing. The shark. You just got to worry about the teeth in the front. And the salvo. <laughs> selvo. Yeah, well, yeah the, the Star Destroyer like, variant, like I said, is the Star Destroyer variant has, I think it's two red and a blue for selvo. Mm-hmm. Plus it has four dice side arcs, maybe five. I think it's like three red, a blue, and a black. So it's actually far more dangerous to try to flank that one. Whereas the test bed, if you get in its side arc, you're like, well, uh, you're lunch now. Tough luck, um, if it can't run away, at least. So Oh, and uh, Holonet News, we have some upcoming, not actual news, but news about news, is the Gen Con, air quotes Gen Con, since Gen Con is happening on the Internet now uh, this year. In-flight report is going to be happening on July 29th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and they have stated that there will be for sure Armada content on that. Um, They are not telling us that it's our... And I quote, favorite Star Wars games, and then only talking about X-Wing, like they did in the past. I forget, I think that was LVO or something like that. that, um, But yeah, they they did leave out, they mentioned Legion and X-Wing, and I think um, Crisis Protocol, and conspicuously absent was that there would be X-Wing news, and I hear that caused some tears from the best um, and most pampered game. Or not not best game, but the most pampered game in the f f g line um you know they didn't get a new ship for a, a month and now they're having some sads so I'd say we love you x wing players, but you're not listening to this anyway so <laughs> uh, <laughs> and our mod is the better game anyway, so we got that coming up, so I'm really excited to see um what I'm assuming they're gonna tell us about clone Wars with that that going I hope forward, they're
1: talking about clone Wars i mean
0: they they have told us that Clone Wars is coming, they've given us some Clone Wars spoilers with like Kenobi and things like that. Kenobi. Kenobi yeah, exactly. Um I can't I can't wait to fly Kenobi expert shield techs. Um, I wanna
1: create a list for Kenobi and just call it hello there.
0: Yeah, that I think like <laughs> half of the half the community is planning something like that already, but we don't know what the ships are like, so can't really say. We know what General Kenobi does. Um
1: What does General Kenobi do, Ted?
0: Oh, uh, General Kenobi is when you spend a, a ready, so a green redirect token, you can reduce damage by one as well as using the standard redirect effect. Ooh. So with Expert Shield Techs, you can spend the token and then just chop two damage off it at of an attack. That's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Uh, or seems pretty good. So, but yeah, I think that's it for us. So um, we will. I, I, I'm planning to do another episode. Once we get news from Gen Con, still looking to see if there's any Armada events, I believe. Oh, the Steel Squadron um, and Biggs are putting on a 24-hour all-vassal tournament uh, four-round event on the 18th. So this coming Saturday, this is being recorded on a Sunday, so there's a 24-hour Vassal event. There's four. You just have to play in four rounds to finish the tournament against any four different opponents, um, and then submit your results, and they will score it up from there. So, which is a little interesting, where you're not having like standings. Like, you know, you don't get into round three and be like, "Well, I'm in second, um, and this person is in first right now, so I really got to win this, or like keep at least this kind of margin." You're just like, "I need to do as well as I can in every game, because who knows if." Like, one of the big Vassal players is around crushing skulls right now, and I need to be able to get some wins in. So, but yeah, um, I'll be, I'm considering if I want to play in that. I I can get through a round of Vassal in, like, three hours, so 12 hours of Vassal Armada sounds like a lot.
1: I still need to learn Vassal. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll get you on Vassal, and then we can talk about some Vassal, and then the following week we get some more spoilers. So, anyway, or some more, more news. So, anyway, um, I think that's all from me, so... I'm Off Ted.
1: And I'm Senator Faith. Thank you guys for listening, and may the force be with you.